that particular bitch. I know how that goes. <laughs> having, having enough aid in particular <laughs> <bitch>. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome X. to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast. X. 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 This week, Herschel. Yeah, this week. I didn't do much. Mm. Played that new wrestling game. Played Trombone Champ, which mm-hmm. is great. That's like a Guitar Hero type game. It's a mm-hmm. real meme game, okay? So it's, I was going to say fake, but... Yeah, yeah, it's like a fake Guitar Hero, yeah. but it's uh, it's really it's really cool. I'll show you a little bit of it after we wrap this, up And here. that's another one of those modded things you were showing me? But a wrestling was a modded kind of game, wasn't it? Well, okay, so next up on the docket, I've also <laughs> been playing a wrestling game called Wrestling Empire. And mm-hmm. uh, for any in the know... It's made by a guy named M. Dickey. Oh, okay. My bad, M. Dickey. He's been deep in the wrestling video game scene for quite some time. Mm. So it is, uh, you make your own wrestler, you can make your own federation, you can run your own federation, whatever. Buy steroids for your wrestlers. Damn. And then during promos, the other wrestlers will call them out as drug addicts and stuff. It's good. It is. It's good. What what would wrestling be without steroids? Exactly. It wouldn't be anywhere. Mm -hmm. People still talk about the 94 steroid trials Vince was facing eight years in prison for. But they think he was just coercing all these guys into taking Yeah, he was like a drug dealer, basically. He was their drug dealer. Yeah, he knew where to get all Mm -hmm. the good shit from. He could hook them up with the doctors that knew all the HGH. Mm -hmm. It ain't like they had to take drug tests, though. Not until... After the, the trial, yeah. mm-hmm. now they have to be like, uh, let me not say that. Wellness testing. Mm-hmm. You know how they say LeBron is doing? LeBron J need to stop taking H-E-H. <laughs> His hairline fucked up from the H-E-H. Went from one headband to like 88. Do you think LeBron is really on H-E-H? I don't know. He's a freak, he so is, maybe. Bro. And this hairline could just be going away because it's hereditary. He's old. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's like fucking 50. Mm-hmm. Did you see them Father Time commercials with him in it? Mm-hmm. With, uh, the Momoa, Jason Moore. Momoa. Yeah, there you go. I've just seen, I've only seen the one where he's a creepy boy again. Hold oh, yeah, on, oh, you're not talking about the what? We the go into the league. We go into the league. Oh, that was that wasn't Momoa though. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that that's was, the only commercial. Yeah, the old LeBron. I mean, the younger, mm-hmm. way younger. Hey, he's a killer. And you know what? Everyone since he was goddamn drafted has been attacking him at every angle for not being a, as good as he's supposed to be. Blah blah blah. <laughs> the dude is arguably top five player in the league right now. I oh. can't imagine. I can't imagine if the internet existed when Jordan was busting out. If that oh, would have yeah. gotten in his head at all. And fucked him up, and maybe he wouldn't have been the dominant guy he is. Oh no, I think Jordan uh, likes that shit though. You yeah, know, from all he the loved docs. the yeah. hatred. He yeah. that fueled him. Yeah, and the did. people looking at him and shit mm-hmm. to drive him. Yeah, yeah, it might have helped yeah. even. Yeah, he would have been even more. He was dominant, motherfucker. I mean, even I think even Charles Barkley even said something to the fact that Jordan was probably was probably supposed to get an MVP every year. But he was saying they couldn't do that. Yeah. They can't just get Jordan. It's going to be boring. Yeah. It's like when Mercedes just wins F1 every year with Lewis Hamilton. It's like, okay, <laughs> good night. That's... What, that's the uh, Formula One? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Herschel, my boy, when last we met, we were located in Scotland mm. in the early to mid-1980s. Well, me and you weren't, but the story yeah. we were talking. Our piece of shit for this series oh. is Robert Smelly Bob Black who'd been bumming all over the UK, sexually assaulting at least mm-hmm. 50 children and murdering at least two, mm-hmm. Caroline Hogg and Susan Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Both Susan and Caroline were found over 250 miles from where they had been abducted and within 14 miles of each other, which is what clued investigators in that this was a serial case. Mm-hmm. And they damn they got the motherfucker anyway, though, but... But then, Herschel, there was a three-year gap in the slangs, which the press had already taken to calling the worst killing spree since the Moore's murderers, which mm. we covered the Moore's murderers yeah, ourselves, yeah, Herschel. Did. On March 26, 1986, 10-year-old Sarah Harper broke the hiatus and became the third little girl abducted. Mm-hmm. The Harpers lived in Morley, Leeds, which made her the southernmost victim by far, but that was still in the north of England. Right. 
So most of these have been taking place North England and Scotland, so like mm-hmm. very north. At 8 p.m., as the Harper's favorite primetime soap opera, Coronation Street, was wrapping up, Sarah's mom, Jackie, asked if one of the kids would run down to the corner store and grab a loaf of bread. Sarah volunteered, hopped up, grabbed a pound note from her mom and two empty lemonade bottles to get the deposit back, Mm -hmm. and then headed from her place on Brunswick Avenue to the K&N store on Peel Street, just over a football field's distance away about 100 yards from their back door to the K&M corner store. It's not too bad. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, like, just thinking about it from our perspective. Yeah, that's just if you gotta go. to the corner, pretty much. Oh, yeah. But that's, that's all I thought you about the distance. Yeah. Well, you are, you are. Like, to your corner. You can just hoof it. <laughs> Walk. <laughs> it's about yeah. five football fields to that one, I think. Oh, uh, to your corner? Maybe five, six football fields. To the main street, right? Not the main street, but... The... You know, to the crazy Habibs. The one that I Oh, yeah. To. Yeah, Super USA. You would say that's five. Oh, yeah, okay. Five, six football fields. It's pretty long. 600 yards. Far, is it? 600 yards isn't that far. 1,800 feet. <laughs> 1,800 feet? You're going to keep breaking it down. Whatever that is times, <laughs> times 12 <laughs> inches. <laughs> you ever heard of Coronation Street? Mm-mm. I'll tell you what. It was a huge program over there. And the only reason I've heard of it is because of this YouTuber called Francis Viper Higgins. Mm-hmm. He had a whole, like, vine collection where he was making fun of this Coronation, Coronation. Street. Uh, it must have been like, uh, I was going to say, did it did it was Bourbon Street? Is yeah. It, is it like that? Not really, though. Not really. Because they're a bunch of, like, stuffy English people. No. <laughs> and not like a bunch of partying-ass Cajun motherfuckers. Probably still smelled like piss, though. I bet you it smelled pissy. Yeah. The K&M store clerk, Mrs. Champerenny, clearly remembers Sarah coming in, returning the bottles, and buying a pack of chips and a loaf of white bread. Mm-hmm. Sarah left the shop at 8.05 p.m. and was seen at 8.07 p.m. by two classmates, who saw Sarah heading into the Snicket, which was an alley used by the neighborhood kids as a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Then, just like Caroline and Susan, Sarah disappeared. Yeah. At 8.15, Mother Jackie got worried. This trip should have taken a maximum of 12 minutes, and that's if the girl stopped and ate her packet of crisps on the way. Damn, she factored in the crisps? Mm-hmm. Although Jackie thought that uh, Sarah was dawdling, or eating, in the Snicket, she sent her other daughter, Claire, on the route to bring her home. Mm-hmm. When Claire came back with no news of her sister, the family all hopped in the car to go have a look. Mm-hmm. Still nothing. And at 9 p.m., the cops were called. Searches and canvassing were set in motion right away. You see, it may have been a three-year gap since Caroline Hogg's murder, mm-hmm. but the cops had not forgotten Susan or Caroline. That's good. What about the press? Oh, Did they, they kind of yeah, die down? Yeah, definitely died down a bit. They were still running pieces on yeah. it and talking about it as the worst case since the uh, Morehouse murders, but... Mm. And they probably, even, they probably didn't even want to push that, neither. Probably the writer was like, no, nah, man, we got to stay on this. He's not caught. And the victim, Susan Maxwell, her parents were both journalists. Mm. And so they kept it humming. You okay. know, they kept it in the news, but then yeah, they don't give a once fuck. that kind of dies down, it's like, uh, don't know. People stop asking questions. Detectives go back to other cases. Mm-hmm. Once again, however, these searches turned up. Bubkiss. On April 19th, David Moult was walking down the River Trent in Nottingham when he saw something floating on the river that he initially thought was a bit of packaging until the current turned it towards his view. Then it became clear he was looking at the body of a little girl. With the help of a stick, David managed to drag the body to the riverbank and sprint for a payphone. The coroner would later determine that Sarah had been put in the river at Junction 24 of the M1 Highway. Yeah, how did they figure that out? I don't know. That's crazy. The next part I know, well, she was still alive. Mm-hmm. They can figure that out based on water in the lungs and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how they knew exactly where he put her in the water. The pathologist who examined the corpse described the injury Sarah sustained before her death as terrible. Sarah's assailant had violently explored both her vagina and anus. 
if you'll remember. Yeah, Dusty. He our guy it. wanted to know how big people were, mm-hmm. how how much their vaginas and butts could hold. It's one of his things, including his own butt. He loves sticking things up there and swimming, sticking things up there while dressed as a little girl's swimsuit. He wasn't dressed as the swimsuit. He was dressed in the swimsuit. Right. The shit didn't even fit him. I can't imagine it would, unless it's like they had clothes for the most obese children of all time. And at that point, those are just adults' clothes. Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't know nothing. Jackie simply could not bear the idea of going to identify her daughter's body. So the duty fell to her ex-husband, Sarah's father, right. Terry Harper. Mm. As you can absolutely imagine, Herschel, and I cannot because I don't have kids, Mm -hmm. Terry said, it was worse than I ever dreamed of. I think that's probably, I don't think anybody's like, woo, I'm delighted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go ID this, baby. No, No, nobody's going to do that. He probably didn't want to do it, but being the man of the house. And not even. Ex-husband. Yeah, but it's your daughter, too. Exactly. I need you to do me a favor and go down there and see who that is. I know things didn't end well between us, but I'm going to need you to do this for me. Yeah, but again, that's his daughter. It is, too. And he wants to know, as awful as that is. Yeah, it is. Or not know. Or know. You know what I mean. Yes. Caroline and Susan's task force chief, Hector Clark, didn't initially believe that the Sarah Harper case was connected to the other two, but at least he kept an open mind. In Hector's opinion, the differences were more glaring than the similarities. For instance, Susan and Carolyn were abducted on warm summer days, and they were wearing bright clothes. Sarah was abducted in a freezing March day and was wearing a big puffy coat. Mm. Susan and Caroline were abducted from towns that are right on the main highway, and Morley Leeds, where Sarah was, was a place you did not go without a reason. No one is ever just passing through Morley, okay? It's a definitely... a de- You're there for a reason. Yeah. Either a you live there... Point. Your mom lives there. Uh, the factory that your family's been yeah, working other at than is that, there. We leaving. Yeah. Uh, my apologies to Morley. I've never been there myself. We are talking about the eighties, though. We are talking about the mid eighties too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maybe Morley's New York City now. <laughs> Maybe it's Los Angeles. <laughs> In Hector Clark's initial opinion, Sarah Harper had to have been taken by a local man who had an intimate knowledge of the area. Mm -hmm. But maybe he shouldn't have been so cavalier to look at the differences only. Mm. Although he was correct that there were fewer similarities overall, the ones that were there were very telling indeed. All of the victims had been skillfully abducted from very public places for expressly sexual purposes. Mm -hmm. They were all driven south where they were murdered, and all were dumped within 26 miles of each other. Initially, it was 14 miles. Mm Mm-hmm. But now that there's three, it widens out to 26. Mm. I definitely can't wait to hit his motherfuckers rundown. Of? It is the, his baseball card. You oh, know sure. Yeah. His vital stats. Yeah. See when he was drafted. <laughs> See how he did in his last few years of college ball. <laughs> Sarah may have been subjected to more vicious attacks than the other two victims. But keep in mind. There's no forensic evidence to support this. Sarah's remains were in relatively good condition, where Carolyn and Susan were in sweltering heat aided mm-hmm. rapid decomposition. Mm-hmm. Even so, the brutality of Sarah's attack pointed towards it being the same killer, not away from. With serial killers, the violence usually and routinely escalates from victim to victim. Mm-hmm. They're not getting less violent as yeah. time goes on. Getting more ruthless. With all that in mind, Sarah Harper's murder was initially investigated separately, but close ties were kept with the Hog Maxwell Task Force, just in case. This investigation would have felt like Groundhog's Day to anyone who'd been on the other two murders. House-to-house interviews were conducted, people who'd seen a white van were questioned, and a shitty artist's rendering of a scruffy-looking man was drawn up. Hmm. The local cops were asked to round up every past offender with a similar M.O., and all turned up clear. Damn. It was crazy is I feel like if there's one of those towns, like you don't belong here. There got to be a guy that don't belong. The Outsider. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the show? It might have been called The Outsider on HBO with uh, it had Jason Bateman for one episode. 
Did you watch it? The main mm-hmm. character was... And it was uh, you sure it wasn't uh, the CW? Oh, it was HBO. It was HBO. It was cursing and shit. Okay, titties. And uh, the main girl... God, I don't know what I've seen her. She might be the sh- chef and the bear, but I might be racist about that. Either way, it's a black girl that is like... Um, well, she's definitely on the spectrum, right? But she also has like super... She's like a supernatural detective. She's really good at... We about to get 9-11. What have you been doing man, for us to get 9-11? I don't know. Why would they want to come for you? Jesus, that thing sounded what like it was... Has your mama been doing some shit, man? Fuck. <laughs> have you, has she been pissing off these motherfuckers? God damn. These Middle Easterns? God damn. Spectrum-oriented black girl, dreadlocks. She believes in supernatural stuff. Crazy shit starts happening in town people start acting not the way they should be, and they're caught on camera doing so. She believes it's something more sinister. The police officer in town, of course, is no-nonsense, doesn't mm. believe in any of that shit, uh, thinks it has to be it's the all people. coincidental. Yeah. So they butt heads eventually. They become friends, and obviously it's supernatural. You had to see that coming. But you don't know the name of the show. I mean, Outsiders. I think it's called The, the Outsider, Outsider, because Outsiders is the one with Soda Pop, Soda Boy, Tom Cruise, and... Mm. All them boys. You don't remember that one? Not Outsiders. Oh, that's a good one. That must be old. Yep, and it's based off a young adult's book. A teenage young adult's book. Another thing you'll clearly remember from episode one, Herschel. Yep. Chief Inspector Hector Clark was years ahead of his time when it came to wanting computers involved in the investigative process. Well... Three years had indeed passed since Caroline Hogg's murder, and the police had a brand spanking new system called the Home Office Large Major Enquiry System, or HOMES, like Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. That's what the, that was the, the brand? Because they're in Britain. So, oh, they don't and have it's for a police computer, so it's like <laughs> yeah, HOMES. Yeah, the, the run on with the whole, yeah. Home Office Large Major Enquiry System. I think they probably named it that simply so they could call it Homes because mm-hmm. that's a that's an unwieldy fucking name. Mm-hmm. This computer was designed specifically with LEOs in mind. It could efficiently log, process, and compare information with just the flip of a switch. Damn. Once all your data was fed into homes, such as suspect names or VINs, simply turn it on and he'll tell you if any of your data had popped up anywhere else in your investigation. Pretty much all you had to do was the data entry and it'll work. That's it. But that was the the issue in the beginning that nobody wanted to do the data entry. You could scan these motherfuckers, though. So, oh, you didn't have to. Yeah, that is easier. You just feed it in there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That is way easier. Even with all this radical tech, Mm -hmm. the police weren't getting anywhere. No matter how smart Holmes was, if you didn't feed him the suspect's name, Mm -hmm. it's never going to match up with anything. The cops needed the killer's name in the system. The system would do the rest. Until then, however, Holmes was just a really advanced filing cabinet. Mm. After eight entire months existing as an independent investigation... Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary decided to link all three officially. This would mean combining all three databases into one. It would be a fuck of a task as the Maxwell investigation was on paper and the digitized hog investigation was done on an outdated program that was absolutely incompatible with Holmes. Mm -hmm. So digitizing that entire investigation was actually a bad idea Mm. because now they had to rewrite all of it to feed it into homes right the old shit yeah the caroline hog yeah that's that's crazy so it was actually easier to feed the handwritten susan maxwell information yep which is nuts backwards but but where do you start though that's the thing eventually you need to adapt the tech and eventually it's going to cause problems damned if you do damned if you don't you just got to do it you got to bite the bullet Take the temporary mm-hmm. setbacks and then realize that the future will be brighter with yeah, the new technology. That's true. Just take the time and take the shit off the old shit and put it on a new one. Take your lumps. But that is business. a lot of shit. Though, that's a that lot you of lumps. Right, bro. They said on the the Maxwell investigation was five hundred sixty eight thousand pages of information. And that's like you said, that's just one. That's just the one of them. There's three of them now. 
I mean, I guess they didn't have to take this solved. Yeah, no, you still have to take the solved murders and put them on there, too. Definitely. That's <clears throat> the way you're going to find the new ones. I mean, you know, yeah, but you definitely don't have to do it first. Sure. You know, you better log the new stuff yeah, first. Yeah. Open cases and shit. This took three entire years just to recompile all the data. And the job would finally wrap in June of 1990. Damn. As it would come to be, however, the effectiveness of a single database would never even get to be tested. Just like in every case we do, dumb luck took over. Mm -hmm. The police's morale and optimism were both depleted, and the consensus among them was the only way the scumbag would be caught is if he killed again. They were thankfully half right, as Robert Black was about to be apprehended during an abduction that absolutely would have ended in another murder. Mm. So he got caught doing an abduction. Yep. Hmm. After that like, is dumb luck. Like <laughs> days after they recompiled the three-year project of recompiling all the data into homes, mm -hmm. he gets caught abducting a girl. Dude, that's luck, bro. That's dumb fucking luck. No amount of technology in the world can make up for dumb Just fucking police luck. Police eating ice cream, twirling his baton, like, hey, what the fuck is you doing? Exactly. Get your ass over here, man. <laughs> On July 14th, 1990, in the village of Stowe, located on the Scottish border, Mandy Wilson was walking to a friend's place to play. Mm -hmm. She passed by her neighbor David Herkes just as he was bending down to adjust the height on his lawnmower. When David looked up, he saw six-year-old Mandy Wilson walk right up to a white van with the passenger door open. David would later tell police, All I could see were her little feet next to big feet. Suddenly they vanished, and I saw the man making movements as if he were stuffing something under the dashboard. He hopped in the van, squealed down the driveway, then started hauling ass towards Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, David Herkes had the presence of mind to write down the license plate number and call the police right away. Right away, yes, what's up? Cops arrived right on scene and started looking for clues, while highway cops from there to Edinburgh were told to stop what they were doing and look only for a white van. Mm-hmm. David Herkes tells us what happens next. I was standing right by the spot where the girl was abducted, briefing the police and the girl's distraught father on what had happened. Suddenly, I saw the exact same van turn the corner, and I shouted, That's him! And an officer dashed into the road, <laughs> right into the van's path to get the van to swerve, which it did. Mm -hmm. Then it came to a halt. As the cops were handcuffing the man who identified himself as black, Mandy Wilson's father got in there and started screaming right in his face, Where's my daughter, my daughter, you bastard? But Robert offered no reaction. As he was being handcuffed by police, he just kept his face blank. Oh, I can't we, we, I can't believe how right you were about the dumb luck thing. Ooh, ooh, just the officer eating ice cream. Yeah. Swinging his billy stick. We're 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 gonna beat this dude though. Oh. To get this information oh. out of him. We're gonna let him in here. You better tell us. Mr. Wilson rightly wanted to strangle Robert on the spot. And I don't know if anybody could have or would have been able to stop him. Instead, Mr. Wilson ran to the van and saw a bundle of rags. Tossed them aside. Underneath was a sleeping bag with what he could tell was a little body inside. Mm -hmm. Mr. Wilson said, I can't tell you how I felt as I unwrapped the sleeping bag and saw her little face, red from the heat and lack of air. She was so terrified as I undid the ropes and took the tape off her mouth, she didn't utter a single word. Yeah. Heartbreakingly now. Before Black had tied and taped this girl, he had already sexually assaulted her. Robert says he pulled her pants to the side and had a look. He says he only stroked her vulva, but there was bruising inside her vagina. Black says he's not sure, or at least doesn't remember, how that happened. <laughs> yeah, dude, we beat your ass right here, bro. Black told police, honestly, what he would have done to Mandy if he hadn't been caught. He says, I would have assaulted her sexually, stripped her from the waist down, untied her and took the tape off her mouth. If she called out as I was raping her, I would put the tape back on. When asked to expound to a police shrink what his plans were in even more granular detail, Black said, I would have put things inside of her to see how big she was. These things included his penis. When asked how Black could do such horrendous things to children while also claiming he loved kids, Black admitted, I wasn't thinking about her at all, or what she was thinking or feeling. He also says he never wanted to kill anyone, and if a child died, it was purely accidental. Mm -hmm. 
This dissociation is of course common with these kind of scumbags, but Black was just a little different. He truly didn't care about the victim's pain or protests. He truly did not care where other killers got satisfaction or even got off from their victim's terror. Mm. He didn't care. He didn't see them as humans. He saw them as, they were fleshlights is all they were to him, Mm. basically. They were no longer human beings. On their way to the Selkirk police station, Black told police that the abductions gave him a huge rush of blood and added that he'd been attracted to little girls since he was their age, and he just wanted to spend time with Mandy. He would have let her go eventually. No, you wouldn't have. That's what I think too, Herschel. <laughs> you tell M.O. is... To not let him yeah. go, in fact. To hey, kill him and put him in well, the middle. Well, he he said he doesn't kill him. <laughs> uh, it's accidental. Yeah. All of them was fucking accidental. Purely accidental, yeah. man. All I want to do is spend time with them yeah. and touch them. Yeah, it just so happens in between the touching and the spend of time with them, they just die. Somehow they died. Yeah. I don't know how. And then I threw them in the river or in wooded areas. In the Midlands. You from Midland? <laughs> <laughs> On August 10th, 1990, Black's case went to trial. The evidence against him was so overwhelming, Robert had no choice but to enter a guilty plea. As that was the situation, the prosecution's job wasn't to sway the courts to go to trial, but only to present the facts of the case, which the Lord Advocate Lord Fraser took care of. Mm-hmm. Fraser stressed that Mandy would have been dead within the hour if she'd been kept bound and gagged in the sweltering hot sleeping bag. Right. Forensic psychologist Dr. Baird said Black always was and always will be a significant danger to children. The defense attorney, Herbert Kerrigan's job, was to mitigate the charges and accusations. Herbert admitted that Black liked little girls and knew it was a problem. This was the first time Robert had acted on his urges, and the abduction of Mandy Wilson was a one-off. He had no intention to injure her, he just wanted to spend time with her. Mm. Herbert finished saying... What Black wants most of all is to enter some sort of program to get over his love of children. Mm-mm. Lord Justice Fraser could barely wait for Herbert to sit down before outright dismissing the defense's claims. The good Lord Justice described the abduction as being carried out with cold, clear calculation. This was no rush of blood, as you claimed. This is a chilling, appalling case. Mm-hmm. The Lord Justice sentenced Black to immediate life in prison, and his release was not to be considered until such a time as it was safe to do so. That's his words. Mm-hmm. That was the judge's words. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Because when is the fucking safe time to do so? There will never be a safe time. <laughs> I think that's the point. I think okay. he's saying you're going to rot in okay. fucking prison. Okay, yes. He's definitely leaving that open, though. for Open-ended, it, for it, sure. Or whatever interpretation did you want to... He's not out, though. The Mandy Smith case really popped the Hogs Maxwell Task Force Chief Hector Clark. Mm-hmm. The M.O. was just too similar, so he went to have a look at the man himself. Mm-hmm. Hector remembers the moment, saying, Slowly, Black looked up at me, and my gut instinct told me this was my guy. Mm-hmm. I had always thought that when I saw him, I'd know him, and every instinct told me this was him. Mm-hmm. I knew by his body smell and his disheveled appearance. Except that he was bald, he was just as I imagined. Hmm. Of course, Herschel, gut feelings and instincts are not good enough. So police decided to interview Robert. As he was already serving life in prison, investigators were hoping maybe he'd want to wash himself of all of his sins. Hmm. Well, Robert was absolutely thrilled to talk about the crimes he'd already been convicted of, Mm -hmm. and he answered questions and provided answers to questions that weren't asked Mm -hmm. for a full six hours. Damn, so he got a stats, y'all. He was completely open on a variety of subjects, including his one actual relationship with a woman, the one he blamed his killings on when he was apprehended. It wasn't all Pam's fault. Uh, He talked about his fantasy life, his attraction to little girls, and his own anal fixation. He he Mm -hmm. did about an hour on how he likes stuff up his butt. When asked about his work with poster dispatch storage Mm -hmm. and his whereabouts on the day of Caroline Hogg's abduction, he fell silent. When the conversation even came close to the abduction and murder of the three little girls, Robert would not speak. Well, so much for the easy way. Yeah. 
Police would have to tie him to these the old tried and true way. Yeah, beatings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everybody know the police is beating the biggest. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Every city has an elevator perps go into without a bruise and come yeah. out of blood. Yeah. Oh, something happened in <laughs> No, not beatings her, but painstaking (laughs) detective work. Okay, yeah. Specifically, they would have to search through Black's life for the past eight years with a Mm -hmm. fine-tooth comb and reconstruct every minute of his days. In most cases, this would be an impossible task, but because of the nature of Black's work as a delivery man with a careful examination of logbooks, paychecks, mm-hmm. and company fuel credit card receipts, investigators were able to piece together Robert's life down to the minute. Yeah. Actually, very easy. Not hard at all. Yeah. The first major mountain to climb was reconstructing Black's day to the second mm-hmm. on July 30th, 1982. This was the day Susan Maxwell disappeared in Coldstream. The first place cops checked was Poster Dispatch Storage Corporate HQ. They asked if the company had kept run records going back at least eight years. As it turned out, just a few months previous, the exact year's records they were looking for had been sent to the shredder, but hope was quickly rekindled. Pay stubs were available from that time. In Herschel, what do you remember from part one? You remember that Robert loved yeah, taking yeah, the yeah. long runs. Yeah, he did. Specifically, London to Scotland. That was his shit. Guess what? He did the rounds because nobody else wanted to do them. They all wanted to go home, nine yep. to five. And he, he just wanted to stay out and fucking molest and rape little girls and kill. Amen. Well, long runs paid more. As such, it was determined based on his pay amount that he'd made that run between the pay period of July 29th and August 4th. So, bam, that's mm-hmm. fantastic already. Mm-hmm. You would have to think they would have did a due diligence with more than just... Missing little girls. You have to, you know what I mean? Women dismissing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, try to connect them to more than just girls. Even though he said just girls, little. Oh, little, they did see, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They've, they were running them against everything. Any case. Okay, cool. That's what you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do it. Cause that's a, I mean, that's a slam dunk clearance if you oh, run yeah, them past sure. your case. Like, oh, fuck, sure. that's him. And I didn't even think that they did have clearances back in, I'm pretty sure back in those days, oh, even yeah. over in the UK. Next up, police looked over all gas receipts and established that Black had refueled his van near the England-Scotland border on July 30th, not once, but twice. Mm-mm-mm-mm. He'd filled up south of Coldstream in the morning pre-abduction and again north of Coldstream after the abduction. The quickest route between the Scotland poster dispatch storage garage and the London one was the M1 to the A687 directly through Coldstream. Mm-hmm. Black had previously told his co-workers that he preferred to get the M1 through the Midlands via the A50. Mm-hmm. Susan's body was, of course, found in Staffordshire by the A518, which is right off the A50 junction. It was easy for him. Easy. You get him, bring him here, then go back. No matter when he kills him, because guess mm-hmm. what? He, he drives around with one for four days. It's like when it's convenient for him. When when work takes him to the Midlands is when he dumps the bodies. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that they'll be dead, though. He'll be riding around with them dead for mm-hmm. four days? Okay. The next mountain to climb for detectives was doing the exact same meticulous work for the day Caroline Hogg disappeared, mm-hmm. July 8th, 1983. Right away, it was established that Black had delivered posters to the town of Pierce Hill, just a mile north of where Caroline was taken from Portobello. Mm-hmm. Gas station receipts show Roberts filling his Fiat van in Belford, the town to the south of Portobello. The most obvious route from Belford to his destination in Pearsill took him straight through Portobello. Mm -hmm. The post-mortem inspection somehow proved that Caroline's body had been held by her abductor for four days, whether dead or alive Mm. they did not know, Mm. which made July 12th the first possible day her body could have been dumped. On the 12th, Black had delivered posters to Bedworth, just 10 miles away from Caroline's body was Mm -hmm. found. The final mountain for police to climb was little Sarah Harper. The task force had this process down to a science by now, as far as combing through gas receipts and log runs. 
and the circumstantial evidence was equally as strong with Sarah as it had been for the other two. Mm-hmm. Black had delivered posters just 150 yards from where Sarah had been taken, and gas receipts from the next day show him filling up on the A453 to Nottingham where Sarah's body had been dumped. Mm-hmm. Which would explain why old girl went missing so fast. Two people said they seen her at 807 and then 815. And, you know, they said to mama at 8.15 and look, damn, she just yep. missed her. God damn. So that means he got on the way to the crib. Well, obviously, he was only yes. 150 yards from where he delivered and where she went. That's just awful timing. That's awful timing. And he was thirsty to the mud. Ooh, let me hurry and deliver these posters, huh? Let me hear we get these. Yeah, sign it. Yeah, the dude, why are you in a rush? Robert, you've never been like this yeah. before. Just so you could go abduct somebody, you fucking oh, There's a McDonald's right over there. I'm hungry. <laughs> and I stink. The fun doesn't stop at this absolute horde of circumstantial evidence. Mm-hmm. The task force also uncovered another incident all the way forward from mm-hmm. when they were looking on April 28th, 1988. Well, let's get a little closer view. This is five years since the Caroline Hogg murder, okay? Mm-hmm. 15-year-old Teresa Thornhill was at the park with some pals. She mm-hmm. walked part of the way home with Andrew Beeson. Just after Teresa and Andrew parted ways, Teresa noticed a van parked ahead of her with its hood up. As she approached, she saw the driver looking around under there, and as she passed, he called out, Do you know how to fix engines? She obviously replied no, because she's a teenage girl. The next thing she knew, the man had her in a bear hug from behind, picked her up, and carried her back to his van. Teresa later said, I'll never forget his hairy arms, sweaty hands, and smelly t-shirt. I couldn't wriggle out of his hold as he was very strong. I tried to struggle free and then screamed out for my mom. I was looking for something to hit him with, but there was nothing, so I grabbed him right between the legs. Mm. She was also able to knock his glasses to the ground, all the while screaming. Andrew heard the wails and came sprinting back towards the van, shouting, Get off her, you fat fucking bastard. Mm. Teresa's heroic struggle and the closing in Andrew meant Robert had no choice but to drop the girl and make his getaway. Unfortunately, there was nothing concrete to link Teresa's attack to Susan, Caroline, and Sarah, and by Mm. extension, Robert. Mm. Those three were between the ages of 5 and 11, where Teresa at 15 was almost a woman. Teresa, at first glance, however, looks far younger than her age. She stands just under five foot with a very slight figure Mm. and wore no makeup. She just simply didn't look like a teenager yet. She's... uh, Parents probably cared. Like, you don't need to be looking... Wait till you're 16 before you put on the eyeliner. That's just how it was. But it was unfortunate, and this dude, dude, didn't... He liked that, dude. You don't wear eyeliner. But the only thing she got was grabbed by the mama. She struggled her little ass off, grabbed his fucking balls, knocked his glasses off. He's a beast. And then uh, homeboy came running back. So that's that helped. And I guess that maybe that was another indicator. Get off her, you fat fucking bastard. Somebody's screaming that at night down the road. He fucking like DJ Metcalf when he chased down that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh shit. Get off me, bitch. Exactly like that. He's like, man, I'm gone. Close my hood. (laughs) (laughs) This girl's attacking me. This girl is attacking me. (laughs) Some kind of ninja. I don't know. (laughs) No, but yeah, she was older though because he probably wasn't expecting. No. And then she probably because he probably wanted to wrap both her arms up and couldn't get it. She probably wiggled out. Yeah, hit him back. Hit him nuts. Once you get them nuts, that's pretty much it. That's it. You can, if you grab my nuts, I'm letting you go. Like, it's, and this, and the thing is, you know how sometimes you could withstand some pain and be like, let me just get this done and hurry. No, with that, no, that's pretty much it. Number one is getting your balls free of whatever is yeah, holding you. Yeah. That's priority one. Your brain forgets everything yeah. else. Balls, man, they're sensitive. They're worthless. <laughs> it, it, it truly is the argument against intelligent design. God is worthless if that's where he put him there. He just put him on the outside, not covered. The only thing to cover it is just two layers. Mitch Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development, said, Mm -hmm. uh, Imagine if a car company built a car and was like, Oh, yeah, there's also like a flappy sack where you put the gas in. Make sure you're not to hit that against anything because it'll explode. It should go explode. (laughs) That's going to be the problem with cars. 
Just make sure not to hit that against anything. It has to be one degree separation between body heat and <laughs> If these. it was like that, we would still be on bikes. Fuck yeah. Because <laughs> uh, God is sloppy. Mm. And Ferrari is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> These motherfucking balls do make kids, though. <laughs> that is true. We're So we can perpetuate our virus on the land. Which is still kind of fucked up, depending on how you look at it, though. We're like, damn, they on the outside, and I got to make kids and take care of them? You know why they're on the outside? Why? They need to be one degree cooler than your body, which mm. is why when they start to get a little warm, they droop. They draw up. When they I mean, start cold, to get a little they cold, yeah. they draw up. Do you think women know about the hot and cold... <laughs> Because even your dick is shriveled, too. Not just your nuts. In cold water. Costanza yeah. pointed that yeah, out yeah. quite thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, he was right. They do it. He was absolutely right. I mean, it's not a huge... It's shrinkage. But it's there. It's shrinkage. Yeah. Because they always say it's best to check for testicular cancer when you got your balls in warm water. Do they? You know, if you oh, check it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Because then you can actually yeah. get a feel yeah, on them. You can, eh? you can uh, instead of just in a little fucking yeah. pouch. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think I'm good. <laughs> one, two, yeah. Three, yeah. One, two, three, four, <laughs> seven. They, they all there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you might need to go to the hospital, man. <laughs> seven. What you talking about? I've always had a seven yeah. pack down here. Ooh. If the fact that she didn't look like a teen was taken into consideration at the time, Mm -hmm. the abductions would have looked very similar indeed. If this case could be positively linked to the other three, it would be a huge win, as her descriptions of both Black and the van were spot on. By the end of 1990, police had a warehouse full of circumstantial evidence against Black, but nothing forensic, and absolutely no confession. They decided to really lean on Black as they re-questioned him for three straight days. Mm. Robert remained stone silent, as was his right. And the task force really had no other options but to turn over what they had to the prosecutor so they could move forward. In May of 91, they submitted their report to the Crown Prosecution Service, who would then decide whether or not the evidence was strong enough to go stand trial. Mm-hmm. In April of 1992, Robert Black, in his prison cell, was served with ten summonses to appear appear before the court. But it would be another two full years before the case was actually tried. There were a lot of legal problems to sort out. Not to mention, and this is a real number, there were 22 tons in weight of circumstantial evidence Mm -hmm. that needed to be made available for the defense's examination. And of course there were jurisdiction problems, given that the crimes had been committed across two countries with different legal proceedings. On top of all this, the prosecution was looking to try these three murders as a serial case. All of them exist because of one of them, and Mm. and vice versa, okay? So Mm. it's all or one. Defense was pushing for three separate trials. Mm. And in case you thought we forgot about the abduction of little Mandy Wilson in the hot sleeping bag, we did not. Her inclusion was a hotly contested issue. The prosecution needed it as further proof of Robert's M.O., but the defense, of course, wanted it banned from the trial. Hmm. Bringing up a past offense as evidence of a current offense is something called similar fact evidence, and its use is very controversial. Hmm. It's only permitted when the past offense is strikingly similar, and in Robert Black's case, it was allowed. It's note for note, Robert Black does the exact same things when he abducts girls. It's insane. They just need to just just do a tour. This is just motherfuckers just whooping his ass. Sure. Town then, to town. Yeah, because he already got life, right? Yeah. Do it like the old yeah. days. You got to crawl and then the people can throw rocks and shit at yeah, you. Yeah, some. Yeah. We need to beat his ass. We need to get some aggression out somehow. A worldwide pedophile <laughs> beating. Because it sounds like they're not even going to get him for the rest of the shit. Right? Well, especially like especially the 50 plus that happened way long ago. Oh, yeah, the way one in that the they past. not even adding it to the, the They pot. can't. They can't because all, they all stayed quiet. Yeah. All the parents said, oh, my child's been through enough humiliation. They don't need to true. talk to the police. They are fucked up. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. It's a vampire thing, you know? Vampires. They kill, and mm-hmm. they also create other vampires who <laughs> yeah, kill and kill. create other vampires. <laughs> For the most part, all the pretrial rulings landed in the prosecution's favor, and at last, we are ready to go to trial. Mm-hmm. 
As most of the crimes had taken place in England, it was decided that trial would take place there, and it all opened on April 13, 1994, in the Moot Hall in Newcastle. Mr. John Milford would argue the case for the prosecution that the murders of Susan Maxwell, Caroline Hogg, and Sarah Harper, along with the abductions of Teresa Thornhill and Mandy Wilson, were part of a series of crimes committed by the same person, and that person had to be Robert Black. Mm. Mr. Milford had virtually no forensic evidence and certainly didn't have a confession. He was relying on very strong, but still very circumstantial evidence. Mm-hmm. Black had been near all the abduction points as well as the dump sites on the days in question, not to mention descriptions from witnesses matched Black, the van he was driving, and Black had already admitted to a 1990 abduction with the exact same unusual M.O. Mm-hmm. Mr. Milford didn't leave it there. He broke down the similarities between the murders in detail to ultimately prove they were committed by Black. All the victims were young girls. All were bare-legged and wearing white ankle socks. All were abducted in a public place. Susan and Caroline were abducted on hot July days. Mm -hmm. All were abducted using a vehicle of the same sort, and Susan and Sarah were taken in work vans. After abduction, all victims were taken quite a distance into the Midlands. All the bodies showed evidence that they were taken expressly for sexual gratification. Mm -hmm. Susan's pants were removed, Caroline was naked, and Sarah showed vaginal injury. Mm -hmm. Both Susan and Sarah had been stripped and reclothed. Mm-hmm. All three had their shoes removed. No attempt was made to hide any bodies, and all bodies ended up in a 26 square mile area that came to be known as the Midlands Triangle. That he connected to all that shit. That what? shit should be a slam dunk. Problem is, you don't have a bloody knife, you don't have a confession. This is all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Sure, he was there, he was at those places. But does that mean he was doing those things while he was at those places? But it's super coincidental, man. That would be the thing. And that is, I get it. That's unfair. But at some point. Yeah, something's got to get Logic has to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Has to win through. Like, and then, not to mention, we already got you on the one murder anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. You're already sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much denying is going to get you. According to Mr. John Milford, these murders were so unusual and the overlapping incidents too peculiar for this not to be the work of one man. He moved on to the abduction of Teresa Thornhill in Nottingham in 88. This abduction shared the exact same features as the murders, down to a scruffy-looking man and the work van that made appearances from witness statements. Mm -hmm. When cops searched Black's room after arresting him, they found a newspaper clipping about the Teresa abduction, and it was pinned up on the wall. Teresa also said her attacker had overwhelming body odor, and we know that the racing children nicknamed him Smelly Bob. (laughs) (laughs) And following the pretrial ruling that Black's previous crimes could be exposed, the court was told about the 1990 kidnapping and sexual assault of Mandy Wilson. Mm. Mr. John Milford made it clear that Black himself admitted to this crime, and that it was, like Teresa, an exact replica of the murders just without the murder. Mm -hmm. It was a great start for the prosecution. But it wasn't yet enough. They'd established how these crimes had happened in a series, but now they had to explain why they believed, without a shadow of a doubt, that Black had been the one to do them. Mr. John Milford went about this by meticulously explaining step by step how the police had gathered their information that put Black at all the abduction and dumping sites at the proper times. Mm. At the end of this convincing, several-day display, Milford concluded that either Robert Black did these things, or Robert Black had a dark, perverted demon that lived in his shadow that would do things while he was delivering posters. (laughs) Deputy Chief Constable Hector Clark was saved for last. Mm. Clark described the mammoth investigation as the largest crime inquiry ever held in Britain. The computer held details of 187,000 people, 220,000 vehicles, in interviews with 60,000 people. When Milford asked Clark how unusual it was for three children to have been abducted, murdered, and then dumped a relatively long distance away, Clark replied that in his 39-year career as a policeman, he had no knowledge of any other case with these features. And with that, the case for the prosecution closed. 
There had been much speculation as to how defense attorney Ronald Thwaites would conduct the case. Mm -hmm. Certainly the prosecution had no forensic evidence, or help from the defendant itself for that matter. Mm -hmm. But equally, Black had not offered any alibis which the defense could use, nor did it have any other alternative suspects. Thwaites also had a self-admitted child abductor and molester to defend. That's a tough one. The only realistic path was to acknowledge Black's previous known offenses and admit to the court that, yes, this was a wicked and foul pervert, but argued that that didn't necessarily make him the murderer here. So his, it sounded like his lawyer kind of even turned it on him a little bit. Wouldn't you? I mean, I know it's your job to not yeah. turn on him, but I don't know how good I would be able to be at my job. Yeah, it's plus, like, I wonder what's happening to him off the clock. Oh, Thwaites? Yeah, the lawyer, do lawyer. Going home and drinking. And I'm talking about just getting harassed or something. Oh, sure, by yeah. like the general public? Yeah. How could you defend yeah. that motherfucker? I mean, but shit, everybody do. I mean, I ain't defending nobody, but do people do got a right to offend? Fair trial. And 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 it could be, could it be a setup? Absolutely. Yeah, but, but that's, this shit is like too, if somebody try to set you up, bro like that then you need to go to jail oh yeah because this is a good setup bro. it's a hell of a setup yeah it's a conspiracy yeah, for the ages it is. but oh thwaite said that black had become a murderer for all seasons a scapegoat for the desperate police who after an eight-year investigation had no further than where they started his last defense <laughs> <laughs> i feel him man. go ahead <laughs> This series of cases, said Thwaites, reeks of failure, disappointment, and frustration. When Black was arrested for the abduction in Stowe, officers set to work to dissect his whole life with total disregard for anything that didn't fit in their picture of events. Mm -hmm. Thwaites told the jury of Black's previous convictions in Scotland for lewd and libidinous behavior mm -hmm. of the abduction of Mandy Wilson. He said that, the judge saw it fit to give him a life sentence. No one can be surprised by that, and everyone must applaud it. Black's lifelong interest in children is further confirmed by the hall of pornography at his home. It's revolting and sickening to look at it. However wicked and foul Black is, and I am not here to persuade you to like him or find any merit in him at all, mm -hmm. it is not unreasonable to suppose that there might be some evidence to adorn the prosecution's case other than theory, this case has been developed before you using one incident of abduction, which he admitted as a substitute for evidence in all these other cases. There is no direct evidence against Black. Of course, Thwaites meant forensic evidence, uh, because they had 22 literal tons of circumstantial yeah, you, you literally said a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> like... You said a warehouse, and I'm just confused. Like, even though y'all had his warehouse of shit, y'all didn't have the right shit. I know, yeah. I know. And because they didn't even have his name once mm -hmm. in any of those papers. <clears throat> they were completely not seeing what they were looking for, which means they weren't looking for the right things. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into what that means. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I think the girls, the two alive girls is really go. Mail it in for him because Teresa and Mandy. Yeah, because that smell when we start talking about body odors, like dude, it's when everybody when you walk into a spot and they name you, you got the body odor, and, and everybody constantly saying this about you is you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a dead giveaway. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's like not their fault. They may yeah. have just genetic yeah, bad body be. odor. That, You're right. Not even. And that's what I think Bobby Black might mm -hmm. have. He might have like halitosis of mm -hmm. armpit ultimately the question for the jury to decide said thwaites is whether it may be proved that he graduated from molester to murderer there's nothing automatic about that the prosecution has conducted their case here from beginning to end without letting you into an important secret the secret is that there is no evidence against black he just keeps harping on that mm -hmm. fucking point on Tuesday, May 17th, Mr. Justice McPherson sent the jury away to begin their deliberations. It was not, however, until the morning of the third day that the jury finally agreed on a verdict. Mm -hmm. When they found Black guilty on all counts, a sigh of relief went around the courtroom. Mr. Justice McPherson sentenced him to life for each of the charges, adding that for the murders, 
I propose to make a public recommendation that the minimum term will be 35 years on each conviction. Yeah, because anybody United get a chance. <laughs> yes, sir. As Black was taken down, he turned to the 23 officers who were there to hear the verdict and said, Well done, boys. <laughs> At a cost of some one million pounds to the taxpayer, the trial was over and Black would not be eligible for parole until he was at least 82 in 2029. That's crazy. But he's not going to get paroled, bro. Let's find out. Uh-huh. Everybody wanted to know why it had taken eight years for Black to be apprehended. After Black's trial, criticism was directed at Hector Clark from the media and even more distressingly from inside his own unit. Right. Their criticism was that Clark had defined his parameters too narrowly when looking at men with records for sexual offenses. Clark had confined his search to men who had been convicted of serious sexual offenses. The attempted or actual abduction, rape, or murder of a child under 16. Black, however, had been convicted of lewd and libidinous behavior, a charge which did not match the severity of the offense, which, you'll remember, he took the girl into the warehouse, strangled her, thought she was dead, raped her, and then left her for dead. Mm -hmm. And they found her bleeding on the side of the road. She walked out. Yep. And she was, and he was charged with lewd and libidinous conduct because the Would, prosecutor at crazy. the time thought it would be bad for his life if yeah. they gave him anything harder. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, he he, he should have got locked up, bro. And they, and they mentioned in that now. In the, did they even mention that in the courts? The, nope. This is all after. post thoughts. Right, okay. Because, dude, if they would have... And you know what? The people are right. They're why, absolutely right. Why in the hell... Did it take this guy this long to be convicted? Took him a long fucking time to be convicted. And they did the first part fast, seemed like. The the first murder, the one he got uh, life for, seemed like that was fast. Like, uh, two years? Absolutely. Yeah, two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they did eight. How long you said it was? Eight? Eight To years convict him to, to the rest? To find him, yeah. And here's the thing, Herschel. You want to know what's even more crazy? What is that? What's crazier than this? Tell me. <laughs> I need to know, Adam. Do you want to hear what Robert Black is up to today, Herschel? I do want to hear what he's up to today. Well, he'll never make it to that parole hearing in 2029 to find out if he'll uh, be sprung. Somebody shank, shank him up, shake him up in there. At the age of 68 years old, our friend <laughs> Robert Smelly Bob Black Smelly Bob. died from a heart attack. At the HMP Magaberry at age 68, which I already said. His body was cremated at Roselawn Crematorium just outside Belfast on 29th January. No family or friends were present. And uh, in the short service, the Presbyterian chaplain of HMP Magaberry, mm-hmm. Reverend Rodney Cameron, mm-hmm. read a section of Psalm 90. Black's ashes were scattered at sea in February 2016. Psalm 90, if you're interested, is a uh, psalm from the Book of Psalms and the opening psalm of Book 4 of Psalms. Don't do this, Adam. Not for this dude. They get him on a psalm for this bastard? It's well known for its life expect Mm -hmm. human life expectancy being 70 or 80. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why they chose it, was because he was like 68. So he kind of almost almost made it. Even anyway. though he's like suck dick at being a human being. How do these motherfuckers be um, affording their lawyers? Yeah. Well, here's what I think. Especially, do you remember the case where the kids broke into that old man's house? It was in Minnesota. And they broke in like a couple times and then he shot him and then like left him in the basement for two days because it was Thanksgiving and he didn't want to interrupt the police's Thanksgiving. Do you remember that? I don't. That's and, crazy, though. And uh, Meshbesher and Spencer, whoever the big lawyers are on the TV here, they represented him pro bono for the exposure because you're all over the okay. news if you're, especially if you win. Yeah, especially for a criminal lawyer. When you get arrested, you don't want a criminal lawyer. You want a criminal yeah. lawyer. Somebody that's really going to get you up out of some shit. For sure. That's uh well that's uh that'll wrap it up for our series on Bobby smelly, the Robert oh, smelly, smelly black too. <laughs> black dude so they didn't even talk they didn't even talk to the two girls then. 
It yeah, wasn't no need. Yeah. Oh, okay. We just didn't need him. Yeah, it was no need because he was uh, slam dunk, bro. I don't slam dunk. It. And that's why I said eight eight Sign years, bro. sealed, lip it. I'm young. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of on the public side. I am too, the backlash side. How mm-hmm. could it take this long? How? I mean, like I said, I ain't, I'm not with black, but I do understand. Like, man, if you ain't really got the real evidence, how could we even convict this dude? But it's like the shit is adding up, though. Absolutely. It's down just, to the smells, the van, the smells. Down to the second. Yeah. Down to knowing where he refueled. We got you, bro. Yeah. You didn't hide the bodies. You. That's on you. Why wouldn't you bring like a gas can or drive farther away to gas? Yeah, up? you putting your Yeah, you logging what you doing? Idiot, idiot. You're a driver. They know everything about where you are. Yes, and and this is you should already. This is the. 80s. Yeah. This just, ain't even now where they literally yeah, put computers yeah, yeah. in the truck. It's more fucked. You know what I'm saying? This, is, But they were still cute, kind of keeping tabs mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. But you're right, though. It was ways around that back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm-hmm. You could fudge your logbooks. Or, or if you are doing that kind of shit, why don't you just use your own money or just use cash? Easy. Yeah. Don't put it on the company credit yep, card. Yep. <sighs> Idiot. What a fool. Fuck you, Robert Black. Yeah. I'm glad you're dead, you fucking fat couldn't bastard. Even, couldn't even fuck the dude to shit. He's like, dude, come on. <laughs> Good weather, you fat bastard. Uh, fuck. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here at the Bubble Butt Podcast. X, 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 X. My name is Ben. A-bomb. That has been Herschel. And thank you very much for listening. And thank you for your patience, guys. We do love you. You do. And we will be back as soon as I hammer out another episode. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye.